And every time that song plays, I'm so blessed because it's God's declaration over man that we are not guilty anymore. And I want to tell you, um, you know, that the gospel of Jesus is not a potential gospel. It is a truth. It is a truth declared by Jesus Christ. And I want to start off by going to 2 Corinthians. And I'm going to take a little bit of a different route than what I planned. 2 Corinthians and uh, Ephesians 1. 2 Corinthians 5. And I'm going to look at... um, I'm going to look at Ephesians 1. You know, when God made man, He had a certain plan with man. And He didn't have a plan B. He only had one plan. There was no other plan, only one plan. And He's not going to settle for plan B. Even if man wants to settle for it, He will refuse. The Word says, even if we deny, when we deny Him, He will deny us. What that means is, if God comes and He tells me that you are not guilty anymore, and I say, but I am, and we deny what He says, He will deny what you say. So if you say, I am guilty, and He says, I'm not guilty, He's going to deny you. (laughs) He's not going to go in agreement with somebody who doesn't have, have all the knowledge and doesn't even know what's going on. If you say, but I'm guilty before God, He's not going to agree with you because he will agree with a lie. For it's not true. For Jesus Christ came and he took away the sin of the whole world. Okay? For God had a plan from before the foundation of the world that man would be before him in a certain way. I want to just find that place. It was, sorry, Ephesians, I think it's uh, uh, 2. And I don't know why I can't find that place. But the, 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 the Bible says there that God planned before the foundation of the world that we will be holy, blameless, before Him in love. God planned that we will be holy, blameless, before Him in love. That was God's number one plan. Holy means to be set apart for a certain purpose. That's what holy means. God has set mankind apart for a certain purpose. And the reason or the purpose or our holiness is not to be servants of God. It's not to be slaves in the house of God. It's not to go through hard times where God wants to purify us by teaching us lessons through hard times and bad economy and sickness and disease. That was never God's plan. God has never set man apart to be a person that has a relationship with him based on rules and regulations. It was never God's plan. That was man's plan. It was never God's plan. God's plan with man was that man is set apart solely for being a being that can experience God's eternal quality of life in human flesh. God decided that I want to make a being that can experience what it is to feel like God, to experience true joy, to experience um, unending perpetual life. 
to have a being that can function from the platform of persuasion, to be a being that can experience what it is to be influenced by someone else and have that other person actually live in him. That was God's plan from the beginning. Like I say so many times, He decided, let us take dust and give dust the opportunity to have a seat in the Godhead. That was man's number, that was God's only plan with man. There's no other plan, that is it. And He came and He restored all of that in Jesus Christ. And that is where we are now. And He prepared a place for every man in heaven, in Christ. You know, God doesn't prepare a place the the, the day you accept Him. He has prepared a place for every human being in heaven. And we preach to you that you are invited. There has been prepared a place for you. You have already qualified for a seat. You don't qualify by your good works. You don't qualify by your prayer life. You don't qualify by your financial contribution to the church. You don't qualify by how many people you've led to Jesus. You don't qualify because you've smiled friendly or because you pray every day. You have already qualified while you were a sinner. By the fact that you've just been a human being, you are already qualified because Jesus went and prepared a place for humans at the right hand of God. And now we come with this message of the wonderful wedding feast and that you are invited and that there is a seat for you already there. I mean, if if you want to be invited to a wedding, there's, there's a certain criteria. You either have to be family or you have to be a friend. Otherwise, you're not going to be invited. That's the way it is. So God went and looked at who's his family and who's his friends and invited them. And the family and the friends of God is mankind. Not the church, mankind. The church is the guy who says, well, I take my seat. That's the only thing. I make use of what he has done for me. And the gospel is not the message of man's disqualification, but the message of God's qualification. In man, how God qualified man. It's the message of how Jesus is qualified to be seated where he is today, projected to every every man. That's the gospel, the good news. So Galatians, sorry, uh, 2 Corinthians comes and says that we have the ministration of reconciliation. Every pastor you listen to, and every Christian is supposed to have this ministry because this is the only ministry there is. It's called the ministration of reconciliation. Okay? And let's just read that. In verse 4. I can't read it by 3. Okay. Thank you. I'll read it now. 2 Corinthians 5. Let's read there from verse, um, I want to read from verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us, because we've got this judgment. If one died for all, then we're all dead. So the death that every person had to die for their sins has already been died by Jesus. (laughs) 
Hallelujah, man. That's good news. That's good news. And I want to tell you, this word, as I preach it now, and we're going to get to it in Hebrews, is already challenging your belief. It, it is sown in the heart. You know, when God speaks, the Bible says the seed falls in the heart. Not in the mind, in the heart. So everything that is said, when you preach the real gospel, challenges your belief system, how you believe. That's why, uh, you know, people say, people say uh, you know, Christians, they fight so much. They, there's so much quarreling amongst Christians. There's so many sects of churches and all those kind of things. Why? Because the Muslims, they basically have one. It's not true. They've also got many sects, 70, I think. Um, but, but it looks as if they are in unity. They only have one book. But the, w w any other belief that you hear challenges your thought. But Christianity challenges your heart. It's a bit deeper operation. It challenges the very way you believe about yourself and about every human being. The gospel comes and states that if one died, then all has died. That when Christ died, He recreated mankind into a new kind of being, that there is no more Jew, no more Gentile, man, woman, or child, or anything like that, but one new being before God. And this message is what we preach. Not as potential, but as something Christ has done. And those who believe this are born of this truth. Okay, that's what we're going to read now. 2 Corinthians 5. For the love of Christ constrains us because we've got this judgment that if one died, then all are dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should henceforth live, uh, henceforth not live unto themselves, but unto him that died and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth now we know no man after the flesh. Yes, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now we don't know any man anymore according to the flesh. Meaning, we don't know any man anymore based on works righteousness. So when we talk to people, we don't talk to people based on works righteousness or um, how does he measure up to the law. We don't talk to people that, that way anymore. We don't look at people as these bad sinners. We look at people from the perspective of what Christ has done for them. We look at people saying they have already died in Christ. And that the old man is now gone. But they are still living towards the old man because of their ignorance of what Christ has done. And when they can have knowledge of the truth and then believe the truth rest in that truth, then we can find that Christ is now born in them and that Christ lives in them, manifests in them. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation to testify that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world unto himself not imputing the world's trespasses against them and now is committed unto us this word of this reconciliation 
Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, it, it, that, that what's written there is so against traditional church. Traditional church says, if you, if you have accepted the Lord, stopped your sins, and kept a holy life until Jesus comes, then God will reconcile with you. That is not what's written there. What's written there is that if one died, then all died. And if anybody be in Christ, now that word if there, um, in the Greek there, it doesn't talk about should somebody be in the sense of um, some people are in and some people are not in. What it talks about there is a conclusion. He says one died for all. So when God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, what does it mean? One died for all. So if you are then now in Christ, it's like saying, um, if you have a car, you can drive from here to there, speaking to people that all have cars. You are actually showing to them what they can do with what they have. If you have an iPhone or a smartphone, you can download this app, certain app, and you don't have to pay for calls anymore. Because you can phone via internet. Overseas costs you nothing. If you have the phone. Saying it to say, Yana, that's you, that does have a phone. So I say to Yana, listen Yana, if you have this phone, you can download this app. But she's already got it. And that's the if that's used there. The if there says, if anybody be in Christ. Talking about who? Talking about the people that are reconciled by Jesus. Who was reconciled? The whole world. I'm not saying everybody's saved. What I'm just saying is everybody's reconciled unto God. God comes and He has reconciled the whole world. How? By not imputing anybody's trespass against Him. What does that mean? From God's side, all of the trespasses was imputed upon Christ. And then He died. Rendering every human being innocent. Because of the doing of Jesus. And we have this ministration of reconciliation to witness and testify to every human. God from His side has reconciled you unto Him. He's not imputing His trespasses unto you. For that is the ministry we have been given. You know, I, I found that you know, sometimes we feel we have a ministry of pointing out people's faults. That's maybe I, I don't say there is not such a ministry. I'm just saying it's not from God. <laughs> there are such ministries, many of them. Now my ministry is to look at who's got a devil. And then we're gonna cast out the demon. Now my ministry is to to really know what strongholds there are over town. You know, it's like, you know, I've been ill for the last month. And I, I, they don't know what's wrong. It might be Bellagio, it might be malaria, whatever. You know, I've been to Zambia. So now, you know, if I say that to people, and I say I've been ill for a month, and I'm praying and I'm just not getting, the, I feel much better, but I'm not getting healed, the first thing that comes to a lot of people's mind is, now, what hidden sin does this preacher have? Unforgiveness, <laughs> yeah, Unforgiveness or 
some sin, you know, that he's got. And that's why he's like that. It's either hidden sin or it is something he's done, you know, in his past. Because you want to connect sickness with sin. Where he says here, God, when you are ill, he does not impute your trespass to you. He does not connect it to your sin. If you are ill and you want healing, you just come to God and he'll, bring, he'll give you the healing. And that's how simple it is. And we rest in that fact. I'm not imputing my trespass against me. So he says, God reconciled you unto him, how? By not imputing your trespass. So how is reconciliation defined? Reconciliation is defined by not imputing a trespass. Now it says, be ye now reconciled unto God. So how are you going to be reconciled unto God? By not imputing your trespass. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. That's good news, man. That makes me happy. So we've got a, a good news uh, uh, towards people. A message of God that has reconciled the whole world unto Himself. And that's all I want to preach. I don't want to preach anything else because I have not received the authority to preach anything else. Neither has any man ever received the authority to preach anything else. They've taken authority by themselves. It's not God-given. It is man-ordained, sin-conscious, works-orientated, how to get a breakthrough. You know, the, the other day I heard a message. A guy said, you know, don't think that you can just rest in God and then He'll provide for you. Now, who gave Him the authority to say that you are not allowed to rest in God and God will provide for you if Jesus Himself in red said, look at the birds of the air, neither they sow or reap or gather into barns. Look at the lilies of the field. They don't work, but God provides for them. Are you not worth more than they owe you of little faith? So who can argue with that? The other day I had a guy phone me. He said to me, Bertie, you know, you say that we must just sit, you know, we must just look at the birds and rest and God will provide. And he was just going on. I said to my brother, you are angry with God and you're taking it out on me because Jesus said it. <laughs> Jesus said that we can rest and he will provide. Yes, Tini, you know, he wanted another job. And he had a desire, and for a long time he had a desire, he made it known to God. And what happened? Free from his effort on trying to persuade men to get another job, God gave him a job. Okay? Free from our effort to be righteous before God, God gives us righteousness. So, know this, we only have one ministration. I want, to, I want you to know that there's no other message than how God has reconciled the whole world unto himself by not imputing their trespasses. The only way you can have quality of life is by making use yes, of this truth. Amen. How holy are you? You are as holy as Jesus. We can easily say we were as sinful as Adam when Adam sinned. But why can't we say we are as holy as Christ when God himself became a human being, represented the human race and obeyed for every man? No, but I am still dirty. That's not what, what jo Jesus said in John 15, where he said, by hearing this word, you are already clean. Isn't that beautiful? 
You are already clean. By what? By the word that you have heard. So what makes you dirty? Not knowing this word. That's what declares if you are clean or not clean. What makes a man unclean, you know, is what he believes in his heart. So man believes in his heart that he is dirty and that's why he is dirty because of the dirty belief that's in him. Now he comes and he says, you have heard. He says, what does God do? He says, if a vine doesn't bear any fruit, then he, 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 or if it bears fruit, he prunes it. If it doesn't bear fruit, he takes it away. You know what that take away means in the Greek? It means to lift up or support. If you bear no fruit, what will God do? He will lift you up so that you can bear fruit. Should you bear fruit, He will prune you. That word prune is the word make clean. And then He goes on, He says to the people, you have now been made clean by the word that I've spoken to you. You've been pruned by hearing the right gospel. For He was pruning out the wrong belief in your heart. For God is a heart God. He knows that we function from our belief. That's why it's so important to have the correct belief about your life. And you know, once we, we've, we've been through the mill of life and we've been through church and we've been through the normal things in life, we've come to a place where we say, well, I've got to a place where I feel I can at least, at this altitude, I'll, I'll make it, I'll just make it. I, just leave me, I, at this altitude, I think I'm going to make it. I don't want to change I don't want to change my belief, you know. I don't think it's going to be worth it because I've seen so many people. One guy comes with this gospel, the other one comes with that one. So I don't know if I'm going to investigate the real grace message or what they say is the real grace message. I want to tell you, you can't get away from it because it is a prodding in your heart about the truth. Plus, I want to say to you that as you believe in your heart how you will be, and God wants to come and bring forth a change of belief. When He brings forth a change of belief in your heart, from your heart flows the force that drives your life in every area of your life. Your heart is how you believe. Okay, so God wants us to believe the truth. You know, I said something on Facebook, and I hope you guys can understand what I'm saying. Uh, I found my wife understand it, and I understand it, and I think one other person. <laughs> God wanted to believe things that He couldn't believe in the Old Testament. God wanted to believe that you are innocent, but He couldn't, because you weren't. He believed that He could bring forth something that could make you clean. But he couldn't believe that you were clean before Jesus came because you weren't. Now, do you know how difficult that is for people to understand? They, they, couldn't, they, they can't believe that because, you know, do you want to tell me that God, that there are certain things that God didn't believe? Do you know what God in the Old Testament did not believe that Jesus has been born from Mary because he was not yet born? He couldn't believe it for it was not true. It will still become true. It's like saying to me, do you believe that your son has finished his studies at university? <laughs> Man, he's in, he's in grade 11. 
I can't believe that he's finished his studies. I can't. So there was a certain faith that was available for mankind and that faith was that you are not righteous, that you are not holy, that your sins are not taken away. In the Old Testament, that was the faith that there was. But then Jesus Christ came and brought a new faith, a new thing that you can believe. He brought a new truth. What was this new truth? One man obeyed on behalf of all so that the faith that comes from God now that, that He brought to us, which was not, which is now, is that we can now believe we are innocent for it is true. That's difficult to understand. If you want, act with my slechte Engels, probeer it nog op Facebook te. We are saved by the faith that Jesus made available. Jesus made a new way of belief available for everybody. What He made available is that we can now say, we are made the righteousness of God. For Old Testament guy, say, well, I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. He just lies. Where's Christ? He's never died. Based on what? But I want to tell you, we can't live as if Jesus never died. We can't live as if God never became a human being. We can't live as if the human seated at the right hand of the Father does not imply anything to me. There's a new way of belief. It's like, again, if we come to politics, you know. The, when, when the new South Africa came, the ANC and everybody that's, that, that was against the old a bondage system, you know what they brought forth? A new belief. In 1985, you couldn't believe, there were many people that couldn't believe that they can study at any university. They couldn't believe it. Although it was a call in their heart, they couldn't believe it because it wasn't true. But from 94 onwards, a new faith was made available. A new thing to believe. That's why the Bible says the measure of faith has been given to everybody. It doesn't mean everybody is believers. What it means is that to everybody the same thing to believe was given. And what is this thing that you can believe? That one man represents you in heaven declaring your holiness, innocence, righteousness, blessedness because of God's doing. Belief in this truth will get that reality born in your life. And then you can say, I can now see this righteousness manifesting in my life. Glory to God. Mm. In the Old Testament there was a thing that says, well, if I have sin, then I have sickness. That was a belief in the Old Testament. They came to Jesus, they said to Jesus, Jesus, why is this child born blind was it his sin or his parents and they they had no issue that sin was the cause of the blindness then jesus who brought the new belief says said the following he said i tell you that they don't have sin they are forgiven i declare forgiveness 
Then they said, no, this is blasphemy. How can a man say to another man, you are forgiven? Then he says, to prove to you that their sins are upon me and that I took it upon me when I was baptized in the, in the Jordan River, I'll prove the new way of belief about your life. And he said to the man, walk. And he walked. Now, if he had sin, he couldn't. But Jesus proved through a sign and a wonder something that every person can believe. Should they see the miracle or not? Because the miracle's foundation or, or your belief's foundation is not in the miracle that happens to you, but what Jesus declared. Because Jesus healed the person here that was paralyzed and said to him, You are forgiven. And he walked. Why could he do that? Because he was carrying the sin of the world. And that truth was true about every man. Yet there were still many that was ill. Should the person that was ill then believe that he was guilty? No. He had the same measure of faith dealt to him. He could believe the same thing and say, I am also innocent. We are not innocent because we healed. We are innocent because he died for us. So never again let your situation dictate to you and preach to you telling you who you are and where your stand with God is. Glory to God, man. Hallelujah. You are deeply loved by God. <laughs> you are deeply loved by God. You are highly favored by Him. I am so favored. You are so favored by God that He decided to take you into his inner courts and set up a meal with you and, and he picked you as his friend you know so many times we say in some teachers that you know they're just not right because of favoritism they favor one child above the other one you know because they will spend a little bit more time with the one teaching him something than what he would spend with the one that irritates the life out of him favoritism but I want to tell you God favored you so much you are the one that's how it is he is the almighty that's got the ability to favor every person to the point that he feels favored above everybody else hallelujah right let's go to Hebrews Hebrews chapter 4. You know, the best translation you can find is not the O Afrikaans translation. It's not the message. The best translation, translating what God says about you, is not even the King James. The best translation is the Incarnation. The incarnation. There's no doubt in what he said. It's a universal language. We're talking the language of design. And I want to confuse you. Let me explain that. By God, incarnating him into human flesh. And do, I'm going to use actually wrong words to explain something. And redesigning man. So that man could be in the place of original intent. And that word, that incarnation that possesses undying life is the translation of all the scriptures. 
Every scripture correctly interpreted is confirming that truth. That is God's word. That's the perfect interpretation of what God tried to say through this whole Bible. If you don't understand many verses in this Bible, that's okay. Because we are not saved by our knowledge of Scripture. We are not righteous by our ability to interpret every, every verse into grace. That's not why what saves us. If you can understand that a man represents you, and what's true in him is true in you and through him you are fully reconciled unto God for there is nothing bringing any separation between you and him because sin was completely removed and what is true in him and that he, or, or who he is speaks about you if you can believe that everything this Bible can teach you you've come to that knowledge you have arrived because that was the end goal. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, Bertie, but how do I deal with my family? How do I deal with this? I tell you, should this belief grab a hold of your, of, of your being, of who He is, is who you are, you will find the Holy Spirit direct your thought in every area of life. Amen. Amen. Let us read. Hebrews. I'm going to end off with Hebrews. We don't have to be ashamed of this gospel. And you know what? I want to say this, now, and I've shared this as well. Um, we, I've been labeled as a universalist by many people all over the world. Universalist is a person that says you don't have to have faith to get saved. The universal is a person that says everybody is saved. Even Satan is saved. I don't believe that. Okay? But being labeled, I am forced to speak about hell and faith all the time. And I'm tired of preaching something because somebody else is insecure. I can't even be happy anymore. Because what is Pity gonna that, that preachers overseas gonna say about Bertie? Now, if you listen to me, Pity, think whatever you want. <laughs> Spread as much messages as you like. I don't care. Your negative publicity is wonderful for me. They know my name, they go to my website, they get grace. You know, we can't have a life born from what will this guy think or what will that guy think if there is only one truth. We can't even say Jesus died for the sin of the whole world without being labeled as in some negative way. I tell you, Jesus took away the sin of the whole world. If you like it or not, if you believe it or not, it's true. Apartheid was taken away. If you voted for it, if you believe in it, if you agree with it, it doesn't matter. It's taken away. You can deal with the truth. Your sin was taken away. Innocence is offered to you as a free gift. It is yours already. A seat has already been prepared for you. You can do nothing about it. You can do nothing about him. You, you know, it's like somebody sends you an invitation to a wedding. And now you want to do something about them sending the invitation. It's too late. 
They've sent the invitation. They paid the people for the food. They already hired the hall for 300 people or whatever they, go, how many people they're going to have at the wedding. It's too late. You can do nothing about it. That has happened. It's finished. You can decide if you want to pitch up or not. That's for you to decide, but it'll just be an empty chair. That's all. But the invitation was placed. The, prepare, the place was prepared. Jesus has done it for you. There's nothing you can do about it. And we don't have to be ashamed of that gospel. We can preach that gospel radically, believe it. Even if we don't understand every little verse. You know, every verse in the Bible eventually points to this truth that I'm preaching now. Because that truth is incarnated in human flesh. God said, the, Jesus said, what people could not believe about God and didn't understand about God, Jesus revealed. He says, no one has seen the Father. Yet Jesus revealed Him. No one. That word seen doesn't mean I have not seen. It means nobody understood. Nobody could wrap their mind around who God is. But Jesus came and declared who the Father really is. By, number one, calling Him Father. You know, God was not called Father in the Old Testament. It's called God. But Jesus came with a concept of Father and declared that to every human being. You know what that means? Father, the one that I'm born from. And He said to the disciples, My Father and your Father. Hallelujah, man. <laughs> God is not ashamed to pitch up at your house. You find some people are ashamed to be associated with you. God's not. God's not. He's not ashamed to see His car standing in front of your house. He's not ashamed. He's not ashamed to be associated with you. God is more comfortable with the fact that you are a human than what we are ourselves. We are so ashamed, we're just human. No, no, God became a human. He's comfortable with human. Hallelujah. And you need to realize that you're going to be a human being forevermore. And so is Jesus going to be a human forever. It's never going to change. The platform of fellowship with God is God in human flesh, Jesus Christ, with God's Spirit in humans, us fellowshipping with each other in human platform. That's how it's going to be for time and eternity. It's never going to change. You will just have a body that can stand that time. Undying body that He will give you. But that is the way it's going to be. It's never going to change. I see this verse in Hebrews doesn't want to be read, but let's read it. Mm -hmm. Verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. Now when it comes, if you, if you read from verse 1, you will see it says there, labor to enter into the rest. Okay? I want you to labor to enter into the rest. Let's read verse... Um, Verse 11, it says, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into the rest, lest any man fall off the same example of unbelief. 
So he says, let us labor to enter into the rest. So that we can rest of our works as God has rested from His works. And what is this labor and what is this rest that we have? He says, let us not fall of the same example of unbelief as the people in the desert fell. They couldn't believe that they weren't slaves anymore. They couldn't believe that. They still want to go back to Egypt because they were still thinking that they were slaves that were on the run. That's what they believed about themselves. I'm a slave that's running away from my boss. That's what they believed. And because of this unbelief, they fell in the desert. Now it says, don't believe the way they believe. We are not slaves actually owing service to the law and through grace running away from the law. I've been set free and the law system died in the Red Sea completely. The whole army of the law was washed away, died forevermore. We are really free, owing the law no service. We're not indebted in some way to the law. We are really free people, so free that God gives birth of who He is in our lives. Okay, so it says here, let us not fall in unbelief. For the word of God is quick. That quick doesn't mean fast. It means life-giving, quickening, okay? Quick and powerful. That word powerful means full of energy. That's where we get the word energy from. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, and then the word even there. I like, uh, you know, the, the word even in the King James doesn't mean something else. It, it explains what was said before the even. So when he says you're piercing even, or then, he, then he wants to explain what the piercing is, to divide asunder of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow. Let me explain what, what it means there. He says, listen, don't fall in unbelief because this is how God's word works. God's word quickens life in you. And it pierces you. Okay? Now, where in the Bible can you think of a piercing? Paul on the road to Damascus. There was a prodding. He says, is it hard to kick against the pricks or the goads? That was the piercing of the word in his heart. Then it says there, discerning, let me, let me just even... Um, even dividing asunder the thought and intent. That word divide there doesn't just mean divide like we say divide. It actually means to... It's a difficult way for me to explain it, but it means to give the thought to. To distribute. That's the right word. To distribute. He says, listen, let's not fall in unbelief. Because this word that we are hearing is pricking us in our heart to the point that it actually directs our thoughts and our beliefs. So why do you want to disobey what's already piercing you in the depth of your being? And then it even says bone and marrow, talking about not just thought and uh, uh, belief, but as well as manifestation. It comes into the physical. Hallelujah. 
This is how the Word of God is. It's such a sharp sword that it comes and it pricks you in the depth of your belief. It directs your thoughts. It directs your, the, your belief about things and even brings forth a power unto the manifestation of it in your life. So why will you now disobey that Word that pricks so hard in your heart? The Pharisees, you know, and, I, and I'm ending off with this. I want to read it, but there's not time. The, the, Jesus spoke to the Pharisees in parables in Matthew 13. He said, why do you, the disciples, why do you speak to these people in parables? He says, because they have decided not to listen to me, not to obey me, lest I should, lest they should believe upon me and I will heal them. Now, let, let, let me show you why the Pharisees did what they did. Their problem was, I don't want to be healed by that man. That was their problem. I've seen it so many times, you know, in, in, in church circles as well. You get a guy, he comes, say I come and I, I, I give the gospel of grace to, um, say I go to Benny Hinn. Okay? And I share with him the gospel of grace. The chance that he will believe me. It's very small. Lest he should say, I've learned this message from Bertie Brits. I don't want to be healed by him. But if Crefro Dollar comes and preaches the same thing, it's not a problem for him to say, I was healed by Crefro. Because he's got the same size ministry. I mean, we don't want to, want to be healed by somebody that doesn't even speak English properly and comes from South Africa and has got a church of 60 people. <laughs> I mean, we don't want to be healed by him. And here was Jesus, a carpenter's son, or a, a person, a carpenter's son, and, you know, wasn't from the right lineage, wasn't any, any of those things, was a friend of sinners. He preached the word, it pierced the heart of the Pharisee. To the point that it directed the thought and the belief of the Pharisee, to the point that the Pharisee felt the quickening power inside, and then he said, I will not. I will not because when you hear this good news it compels you it brings joy man it brings joy I said to Helena I can't preach unless I feel happy about what I preach how do you go and sit in the studio and, and record a Bible school for six months and you, you've, got a, you've got a message that's not even good news my goodness it needs to be good news. It needs to be a quickening message, giving you life. I want to tell you, you are innocent because of the doing of Jesus. You've been made righteous by the doing of Jesus. And when we can, and the, the Bible used the word awake, and I want to explain the word awake. When we can awake unto this truth and believe this truth. Have our minds at rest, embrace, make use of the truth. The Bible says, he that received seed in the good ground. Received means to grab a hold of, to make use of the seed. What is the seed? It is the word of God. What is the word? It's the word logos, the word logic, God's logic. What's God's logic about man? He's got a certain logic. What's God's logic? This is God's logic. If one can make you a sinner, then one can make you righteous. That's God's logic. like Bertus. 
He comes to me. He says to me, Papa, Abri, don't need your logic. <laughs> He's this big, he says his big brother. I don't kill you, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> In the same way, because he doesn't use his logic. His logic says this one and one makes two, according to his logic. Now, Aubrey's logic says A plus B equals C. Doesn't make sense to him. In the same way to God, God has got a certain logic. God's logic is, if I obeyed and I took away your sin, in one man, Adam, or in one man, the last Adam, Jesus, and that man is seated at the right hand of God, my logic is, you are innocent before me, fully qualified, you can come boldly before me, you are clean enough for me to indwell you and live in you, you are my friend, I fellowship with you. That's God's logic. That is the word. The word was sown. That word is sharper than any two-edged sword. That gives you, gives birth to your thoughts, gives birth to what you believe about your wife and your children and your business. Some seed was sown amongst the thorns. Meaning, we take this word of faith, of the word of God, we sow it in our heart, but we also sow the word of what money says about us in our heart. And it chokes us. It chokes the seed. We only sow one word in our, in our heart. We only take one word. We only make use of one word. I am not going to make use what sickness says about my life. Let's say I've got some Africa disease that is incurable and I never get cured from it. What then? I am taking no thought of that. For there's one thought about my life. The finished work of Jesus. And should I get healed, what do I do with that knowledge? I also don't take thought of what the healing tries to tell me. I only take thought. One thought that God has about man is Jesus. That thought became flesh. That thought is physical today. So that we can think about it. Because the moment you take thought, you've got to deal with the energy of that thought. This is like a new age term, but I want you to understand that. If you take the thought that God thinks, you've got to deal with God's energy, which is the new life. But if you take thought of what does it mean between me and God if I've got a headache? It's like the one guy phoned me, said to me, was upset with me about um, what I teach on, on money. I don't know why, because such good news. <laughs> So he says to me, There's a, I want you to tell me, we've got a lady in our church, because I believe you don't have to give to be blessed. Okay? There's a lady in our house, in our church, she's an old lady now. She didn't pay her complete tithe. Okay, now I already know what he wants to say. Didn't pay the complete tithe. And now, not even, now a pension ran out and not even her kids wants to care for her why do you say doesn't she have any why is she struggling now would you say I know what he wants to say he wants me to say because he didn't pay the tithe I said want our kinders is te slecht om vaar te zorg 
That's it. The kids are just too rotten to care for her. The kids should care for her. But I say, and, and he says, yes, and now you come and you say, look at the birds. And God will provide. Look at her now. We had to pay her overtakes. So I said, so, this, so you want to tell me the scripture is true for her? She looked at the birds and now God provided somebody to pay for the overtakes? He even uses those that don't believe what he believes to care for, the, for her. You've cared for her. By God, she just looked at the birds. You know? The scripture comes and cuts into our hearts so deep that it distributes our thoughts. It distributes what we need to believe about everything in life. What you need to believe about raising your kids is distributed by the simple gospel, the simple logic of God. The logic of God is very simple. Jesus. Amen. Let's close eyes. Father, I want to thank you for your unconditional love. I want to thank you for your mercy and your grace. I want to thank you, Lord, for everybody that is here today. It's wonderful to have such a a fellowship of people here. I really enjoy your people. Thank you, Lord. They are so precious. It's wonderful to see the smiles on their faces because of you. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that I can also come now and pray for everybody that is watching me via the internet and whose lives are touched by this gospel. Maybe you are here for the first time today or you are watching this for the first time today and you are saying, it's the first time I hear this message and I've never accepted this truth. What shall I do? It might be a question in your heart. What shall I do? This is what I can tell you to do. Believe this truth and be a disciple of this truth. Believe this truth and be a disciple of this truth. That's what the Bible said. Believe and be baptized. Believe and, let, and be fully immersed in this gospel. Be a disciple of this. And you will find eternal life manifesting in you. God's quality of life. Thank you, Father, that neither po- poverty or prosperity is your word about our lives. It was the word about the Old Testament people's lives. But we've got another word. Thank you that we have a Father that loves us, heals us, provides for us, and cares for us. Thank you for your great love, my God. Thank you that I can stretch forth my hands to all the people here and watching via the internet. You know, if you are here today, you've got sickness in your body, I want to tell you that there is healing for you. God cares for you. And all you do is you know that you are fully innocent, fully qualified, and you make use of that truth in the area of your healing. And you've got a Father, whatever you ask Him in the name of Jesus, is yours. Jesus came to the, or or Peter came to the paralyzed man at the gate, beautiful, said, What we have, we give unto you. So what he was saying is, what I have belongs to you. In the name of Jesus, be healed. So I want to tell you, there's something that belongs to you. God's quality of life. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name by having the the healing manifest in your body. And don't be sick by believing that this healing defines you. 
Let's be healed, completely healed. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. I want to thank everybody that came. Those of you that want to contribute financially towards the church here, there's a box in the back over there. If you want to order the CD, please order it. Um, and order the New Year CD, the one that I've preached for the New Year message. If you haven't heard that, you need to hear that. It will really impact your life. Order that. We want to give it to you. Thank you so much. God bless you guys.